This is AgriPulse Open Mic, brought to you by CHS Incorporated. CHS Incorporated is a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. Diversified in energy, grains, and foods, CHS is committed to helping its customers, farmer owners, and other stakeholders grow their businesses through its domestic and global operations. And now, AgriPulse Open Mic. Ann Mills, welcome to AgriPulse Open Mic. Well, thank you so much. It's great to be with you today. Let's talk about um, NRCS and the conservation work that's being done. Comparing it now to the times we didn't see, but the Dust Bowl of the 1930s. Clearly, we've had weather that has been almost as bad as that, yet the impact on the land doesn't seem to be nearly as bad. Well, this is a really important question, and and you're right to point back to the Dust Bowl era, which actually gave birth to what we now today call the Natural Resources Conservation Service. And I think at the core of this is the notion of healthy soils uh, and how we manage the landscape and how much farmers have learned and worked with NRCS and conservation districts and, and other partners to really adopt the best kinds of conservation practices that will keep their land productive and that will protect our resources over the number of decades. But really, it does start uh, with healthy soils, and um, it's something, frankly, we're putting a greater emphasis on now in 2012 um, with our NRCS folks all across the country. But the, the point is to build up the um, soil health healthy biomass so that it can retain soil moisture longer and keep keep that moisture at the root level and allow water to move through it more efficiently. So whether farmers are suffering from drought or even floods, um, they're able to uh, have a much more productive uh, farm and, and a greater crop yield. Ms. Mills, the USDA has made more emergency conservation funds available to help these drought-stricken farmers this year, but is it really too late to help with this year's drought? Not at all. And first I want to just emphasize how much President Obama and Secretary Vilsack are committed to taking every possible step to help farmers and ranchers recover when disasters like this drought strike. And our, I just want to add that certainly our, our thoughts are with U.S. farmers and, and ranchers across the United States who are struggling with this. But the department has been doing um, sort of an all-hands-on-deck approach, making sure that we're making every possible resource available. Um, we're putting our best minds together and teams together to figure out how our programs can be uh, adjusted to to provide relief to farmers. Um, so there's a lot that we're already doing right now. Just this past Wednesday, two days ago, uh, we designated 172 additional counties in 15 states as primary natural disaster areas, uh, and that allows farm operators in eligible areas to be qualified for low-interest emergency loans. Uh, the President and, and Secretary Vilsack announced in Iowa, uh, USDA's intent to purchase up to $170 million of pork, lamb, chicken, and catfish. 
that will help American livestock producers uh, bring the meat supply in line with demand. And there have just been a series of steps on NRCS's part. Uh, we have uh, allowed uh, equip contracts to be modified to allow for grazing and livestock watering and other conservation activities to address drought conditions. We're allowing hang and grazing on wetlands reserve programs. So these are some of the things that we're, we're doing right now. We're also making available more than $16 million in funds uh, through existing dollars uh, to bring relief um, uh, to farmers through our EQIP and WIP programs. Um, so we're, we're really focused on the now, but we're also looking forward. One of those examples is this new drought conservation innovation grant that was announced two days ago. Tell us about that uh, new grant that you're proposing. We have announced up to $5 million in grants all across the country to evaluate and demonstrate agricultural practices that will help farmers and ranchers adapt to drought. And the really interesting thing about these conservation innovation grants, Ken, is that I like to think of them as venture capital or seed money for some of the most innovative, creative ideas that are developed not within USDA, but by farmers and ranchers, by businesses, universities, nonprofits, state governments, tribes. Um, these are innovative ideas developed by people on the ground who are doing this day in and day out uh, to tackle uh, specific problems. And this is the first time USDA has set aside a significant amount of money to help come up with practices that will help ranchers and farmers adapt to drought. I'll give you an example of what a CIG grant has done in the past, uh, and this is just where uh, even just a little bit of money was made available. We were in the Flint River Basin in Georgia and other parts of the country able to develop uh, variable rate technology for irrigation. What this is is it allows farmers to use soil moisture sensors uh, on their farms to guide just exactly how much water is actually needed to keep a plant alive and thriving. And so there may be some parts of the acreage that need less water, others that need more. But this way, you use just the right amount of water. You don't waste that precious resource. So that's just one example of what a CIG grant has done for us in the past, and we're looking for really innovative ideas going forward. The House approved uh, this disaster aid for livestock producers, and as I understand it, they cut some authorized conservation funding in the process. Could you talk about those funds, and maybe they wouldn't have been used anyway, but is there going to be a net negative effect on conservation programs uh, because that money's going to livestock assistance? Well, of course, you know, we have to see ultimately what Congress ends up doing with disaster assistance. Uh, the Secretary believes and the President believes that the most important thing to do, frankly, is to pass the Farm, Food, and Jobs Bill, which will not only provide the much-needed disaster assistance, uh, but also give farmers and ranchers the certainty they deserve uh, while they're enacting critical reforms. You know, we believe at the end of the day that um, it's important to have adequate funding for conservation practices because those practices are what are so important to creating the sustainable uh, nature of our farms and, and ensuring that we have long-term uh, soil health, um, access to clean and abundant water. So we think this is, you know, all part of the whole. But uh, the best thing would be to, to pass this uh, 
farm bill legislation that includes the disaster assistance. So you have the entire package of tools available to farmers and ranchers. Regarding that uh, farm bill, what do you want to tell me that are the key changes that you think we'll see in conservation programs in that bill? Well, um, of course, we want to see what the final bill looks like, but you know what we've seen already is a commitment to streamline some of the conservation programs down from 26 to 13, I believe, is in the latest bill. We think that's going to help increase efficiency so that we can spend more time on the ground with farmers and ranchers. Um, you know, I think generally there's an increased commitment to um, more effectively using our dollars by targeting them using good science like the Conservation Effects Assessment Project to tell us what suite of practices, a combination of practices are going to deliver the best results for farmers, the best result for the resource, and what practices are, again, going to make sure that, that our, our soils are the most resilient and can adapt, better adapt, uh, to the uh, variances in a, in, a claiming, in a changing climate. In regard to uh, the conservation programs, there is this question of whether you have to link it to something in the farm bill that pays a farmer money or they won't do it. How do you respond to that? You know, NRCS has a very proud tradition of working with farmers and ranchers who understand the benefits of conservation programs and and stewardship generally. They see it as an important part of their heritage of passing on healthy farms to their kids and grandkids. And they also see these conservation programs as making economic sense. And I think increasingly we're seeing that uh, agricultural, uh, that the producers are, see- are, are seeing the benefits of conservation. So, and frankly, there are many uh, producers who go ahead and put a lot of these practices in place without any state or federal cost share. So I think the, the commitment is deep. They see the benefits. Um, what I find really exciting, Ken, and, and, and the Secretary talks about this a lot, is starting to develop uh, environmental markets where we're monetizing, putting a value on a lot of the, of the practices that farmers um, implement that protect water, that protect wetlands, uh, that sequester carbon. So we see an emerging revenue stream for these producers to put these stewardship practices in place, and then you know the private marketplace will 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 reward them for that. You know the 2008 Farm Bill anticipated the emergence of these markets and uh, directed the Secretary of Agriculture to develop the framework um, and the tools for agriculture if they decided to go in this direction. We're seeing a lot more activity around what we call nutrient credit or credits or water credits where uh, a utility may, for instance, pay a farmer upstream to put conservation practices in place so that they can offset any um, water quality uh, runoff from their operation or temperature changes under a regulatory um, system. So um, we're seeing more activity around water and, and perhaps wetlands than carbon, but yes, that's in fact the idea, where there's a buyer out there who wants to offset whatever they're doing on the land or landscape to water or uh, or air or, or carbon, and they want to pay farmers for that. Ms. Mills, thank you very much for the uh, information you've passed on to us and for being our guest on AgriPulse Open Mic. Well, Ken, thank you for inviting me.
That's Ann Mills, who's the Deputy Undersecretary for Natural Resources and the Environment at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. That's AgriPulse Open Mic for this week, brought to you by CHS Incorporated. I'm Ken Root.